0: This is the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Chris. We all spend a lot of time, more than we would probably care to admit, trying to pretend like we have everything figured out in the Christian life. And in reality, we need help to figure it out. It's something new that we've got to learn. And today, Chris is going to unpack a little bit of what he's gone through trying to learn how to be a better youth pastor, how to be a better Christian. Because the Christian life is really about this constant cycle of being discipled and then discipling someone else. And Chris, you do that
1: so well. That's one of the things I admire about you the most uh, is your what I've seen your ability to learn and kind of change and adapt over time um, and, and, and handle that growth curve. So I was going to ask a question about that, but you kind of already answered it of like, how did you get to where you— you seem to learn or you tackle these new changes in these learning environments uh, with open arms. You know, you embrace them. I remember when you, you, uh, you did announce in one of our Facebook groups that you would got this position as youth pastor in Baltimore, man. And you, you, well, even still now you do it, but definitely like within the first few months, you were always asking questions. Hey, how do you guys do this? Or what's your advice for that? And a lot of people are really afraid to reach out and ask for help. And you yeah. do that so well. Can you tell us, maybe how you overcame that, uh, that that fear? I deal with that fear all the time. You know, well, maybe they're gonna you know they're gonna think that I'm not like I think I have to live up to uh, a standard. Yeah, I mean that's an expectation for the Christian life. I mean,
0: Chris, you and I have talked about it before. That's that's why people don't pray like to pray in public. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't know how and they don't feel like they can just ask oh. somebody. How do I how do I pray in front of other people? Because there's kind of yeah. this unwritten rule that good Christians do that, so you should just be expected to do it. Yeah. So you just kind of hope your name's never called and you never have to pray in front of other people <laughs> so they don't know that you don't know how. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. That, that's a really, really valuable thing to learn as a as a Christian is just how to
2: ask for help. You know what? And, and I think that that in general kind of tying together with another uh, topic that I'm pretty passionate about. Um, from the day I got to CBC's campus, my very first day, I don't know if you guys remember uh, Brother Bradley, mm-hmm.
1: Bradley. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: So freshman orientation, I remember Ron Bradley, he stands up at the front of the chapel and he's talking and he says something along the lines of, he said, hey, I'm here. If any of you guys need anything, I'm here for you. Um, you know and you know where to find me. He said something along those lines. Immediately after that chapel service, we had lunch and uh, I remember he grabs a tray Gets his food and he goes and sits off to the side. And so I go grab a tray, get my food, and I go join him in his booth. And he just kind of gives me this weird look. I said, You said you were here. Like, I'm here. Like, let's go. <laughs> and so he just kind of looked at me and like let out this laugh. And uh, he was like, You know what? He's like, That's awesome, man. And uh, from that day forward, even still now, we have such a great relationship. He's been a great mentor in my life. Um, but in each season, I've sought out different people that, you know, I feel like God has kind of put my life for a reason in those seasons. And, uh, In that moment and seeing how faithful God has been in providing those people to help give me the answers, because I think the best thing that you can know is what you don't know. I'm new to ministry. There's a lot that I don't know, but I know that there are a lot of people out there that have those answers, that have the experience. And so going back to the Brother Bradley thing, I think what happens a lot of time with our generation, uh, you know, millennials, Gen X's, even uh, Generation Z coming up, is I think most of us, by and large, we want to be poured into But we expect somebody else to come along and grab us and say, hey, let's do this thing. Like, no, if you want to be poured into, you have to be proactive in seeking people out. Like, you have to go find that. Like mentors aren't just walking around the street, like looking for kids to snatch up. Like it doesn't work, <laughs> that, you know, so like it's not like a mentor van driving around town, like hop in, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You've got to pursue that yourself. And that's something that I learned really early on. And I think that that thing with Brother Bradley was kind of a divine thing because I, I don't even know why I did that. It was just so weird. But from that point on, seeing how he responded to that it helped me to be more willing to ask in each season. So even still now, uh, transitioning into ministry, I've been really blessed with some awesome friends, um, that have a lot of ministry experience, um, from our time at CBC, from various places that I've been because of a uh, floodgate tour, I've been able to meet people all over the country. And so I know that there are a lot of people that know a lot more than I do. And so I have no problem reaching out to them and say, Hey, what do you do? And, uh, you know, Mark Batterson, I was reading in one of his books today, he said uh, a book is usually about two years of somebody's life experience. And so I, I kind of view that almost in the same sense of like, hey, let me ask you this because you have the experience. And if you can tell me in about 10 minutes what you've learned in about two years, sign me up for that. Like, I'll take that all day long. And so, you know, I think that's it for me. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, people look at me. I turned 30 this year. And, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm a youth pastor and I'm turning 30. Like, they assume like, oh, you must have like – eight or nine years of experience. I'm like, no, there's actually one year in here, you know, and, uh, you know, so I'm like, I got a lot of catching up to do. There's a lot of people that have been at this for a long time and I've got no qualms about, um, reaching out to people because I know that, Hey, some people have been doing this for a long time and they've learned lessons the hard way. So if I can just have a conversation with you online or across the coffee table and learn what it took you years to process through, uh, you know, I'll take that any day of the week.
1: Yeah, man, that's great. Because I think that is such an undervalued skill. And really, I think it's a, a spiritual discipline that we don't practice enough in the church is Is that willingness to ask and to learn from others' experiences. I feel like Absolutely. too much in the church, we feel like it's a, it's a journey we have to go at alone. And, um, you know... I definitely relate to you know your desire. It would be really nice if somebody would just walked into your office and be like, "Hey, I'm going to mentor you today," and you'd be like, "Great, let's go." I, yeah. um, unfortunately, cool. we have to be a little bit more proactive. But I also think that's a great lesson to people like us. You know, you were talking about millennials and Gen Xers and, and Gen Zs that that do want to be poured in to kind of be the people that we also wanted to pour into us. And so it's yeah. it's about looking for other people that we can pour into. Yeah as well. You know, we all we all need to be being poured into by somebody else and then finding somebody else to to pour into as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, there's absolutely. always somebody who's not as far along as you are and somebody who's farther along than you are. That's right.
2: And so That's it's right. always
0: yeah. helpful to pass that along and continue to learn as much as you can.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think from my experience so far and my vast experience of one year in ministry, um, I feel like, that whole process is tougher when you're in ministry because people assume, Hey, this guy's got it all together. Mm-hmm. He doesn't um, but even here in this position here in Baltimore, I, I was really intentional about there was, I waited a while, kind of, you know, observed some things and prayed about it. And I felt like there was a particular individual that I wanted to, Hey, you know, this guy's got some things that I don't have spiritually. I believe that he has some depth and some roots that I don't have yet. And, so I just met him one day and talked with him and just kind of shared with him my heart and said, hey, man, I'd like to meet with you bi-weekly if that's okay with you. And I just want to pick your brain. And, you know, and he was excited. He was like, man, I've been looking for people to, to like pour into. He's like, he's an older guy. And I think he's at the point where he's like, look, I feel like I've learned these things and I want to pass these lessons on. He was like, and he kind of shared with me, he was like, it just seems like your generation is not listening or they're not wanting that knowledge. And I'm like, Like I said, for us, we have to go out and seek that. People are wanting to share that, especially within the church. That's one thing that I've noticed is we've got a great group of elders in our church here. Um, They're wanting to share that. And so now I'm trying to help bridge the gap between them and our youth group. Like, how do we connect them? How do we get Mm -hmm. them? And, uh, yeah, you've got to want it. If you want it, go get it. You know, as far as those relationships go, it's not going to happen by accident. You know, and no growth happens by accident. It happens by intentional pursuit. That's
1: excellent. Well said. Um, so what are you doing then now as a youth pastor to pour into others? How do you go about um, – do you, do you look at it a little bit more strategically? I mean obviously you have a responsibility to any kid that walks in your youth group, and so you, you take that yeah. responsibility uh, seriously, I'm sure. But with everything, you know, maybe you have your 12 that you really pour into uh, particularly or maybe you're the three. And so how do you go about identifying those relationships and pouring into them?
2: Yeah. So, by and large, um, our the youth group dynamics we have here are pretty interesting. Um, when we first got here about a year ago, we were averaging about fifty five kids. Um, now, within the last couple months, we've been averaging between ninety and one hundred. Um, you know, we so we've had some pretty solid growth there. The majority of our youth group now, because of the growth that we've had, though, is uh, unchurched kids that have no concept of church, no relationship with God, none of this, like starting from square one. So we have this portion of maybe 20 to 25 church kids that have some working knowledge of religion, Mm -hmm. and then the vast majority are like square one. So even at the beginning of the year, we started like all the way at the basics. Um, So what has been difficult is finding that balance of pouring into those that are a little more advanced, but still remaining kind of down here enough for the kids that have no experience to still be able to grab something and to catch on to what we're trying to do. Um, So the biggest thing for me is, and I share this with our our youth leaders, we've got a really solid team of youth leaders here. And I'm like, I can't intentionally pastor 90 kids. It just doesn't work that way. That's not how pastoring works. And so I'm like, I kind of view our youth leaders and I want them to see themselves essentially as, as an extension of me. Like, hey, you know, if, all of you guys, we have a team of about 15 youth leaders. I'm like, if all of you are connecting with a few kids, then all of them are going to be touched and all of them are going to reach. So I essentially see myself as – primarily pastoring the leaders and then helping them to pastor the kids now with that there are definitely some kids in our youth group um that you can just see them almost like foaming at the mouth for this thing like i want all that god has for me you know and so you know those kids are like i was saying earlier they're they're proactive like they'll come to me like what can i do to grow what can i do to grow like i had a kid after service last night literally come up to me and ask that question she's like hey Like, I I want more. Like, what can can I do? What else can I do? In those situations, you know, I I do as much as I can to help those kids. Um, You know, we'll do some reading plans together. And, you know, I'll text a few kids. I'll I'll try to get a couple things like that going as far as like intentional growth. And, uh, you know, the Bible app is so great with helping with that. You can do a plan with a few people, leave your comments on there, and kind of that provides accountability, helps them get in the habit of reading, uh, getting their thoughts on that, and some little things like that. So, Any kid that's to that point, you know, we're helping with that. But primarily I see my job is developing our leaders the best that I can and pastoring them the best that I can. Because the better and the healthier they are, the better our group as a whole will be. And I think that's what's difficult a lot of times in some churches is that if we see the pastor as the primary influencer, then you're really limiting what your church is going to be capable of doing because you can't have a personal connection with everybody in your church, even in smaller church settings. It just, it's impossible. You're one person, you have limited resources and limited time. And so the more that we empower other people that are working alongside of us to be influencers and to make these connections and to teach them how to do that— we're going to build this sustainable, recyclable process that's going to continue to produce disciples.
0: That's good. I want to ask a question that we may or may not cut out. We'll see. <laughs> um, when when you're pouring into somebody who's starting at square one, what are some of the basic things that you want to help them understand and, and some areas that you,
2: you would say, Let, let's work on growing here first? Mm-hmm. I would say probably the primary thing we did here, and this was overall with some individuals but with our group as a whole, the biggest thing that we started with and that we really wanted to drive home is value, that you have value, your life has value. We live in a society where so many of these kids now they deal with depression and anxiety and they feel left out and worthless and establishing in them that they have value and then helping them make the connection of, hey, your value – set the day that God breathed life into your soul, and it was reaffirmed the day that Christ paid that price for your soul, your value is already set. Your circumstances, the home you grow up in, the decisions that you made, your value does not change. How you may see that may change. And so really the primary goal off the bat is like if we can just get them to open their eyes to how valuable they are to God, how valuable they are because of the price that Christ paid for them then that's going to help them to say, okay, why did Jesus pay this price for me? You know, why am I so valuable? And so what we have been hammering home for the last three months with our kid is that you have a place and a purpose in the body of Christ. And we've been just driving that idea home. And it's really starting to gain some traction. Now we can see some kids, their entire countenance is changing because they see and can sense that value now. And so from there, you know, you can go a lot deeper. But it takes with the generation we have nowadays, I think because of the depression, the anxiety, that you've got to establish that worth with so many of our students because it's it's high school was tough when I was in it and in, in junior high as well. But I mean, it seems like a whole other ball game now. I go to, to schools for um, you know Bible studies and things like that, or even basketball games, and I'm like, this is crazy. You know, it, part mm-hmm. of it could be the area that we're in, but in general, I'm like, I don't. This is nuts. You know, so. Helping kids to know their value, though, is going to help them to see themselves differently. And then it's also going to open up their mind to some questions about why are you that valuable? Now, what do you do with this value? Mm -hmm. That's awesome, man.
0: I know you're not perfect at this, Chris, but thanks so much for setting an example the way that you're setting it. I, uh, I think we really all could use a little more of that in our lives where we go out and intentionally find the people who can disciple us, who can pour into us, and in turn find somebody that we can disciple and pour into. It's, it's all about that constant cycle, pouring into others just like we've been poured into by those who've gone before us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to go and subscribe on iTunes or Google Podcasts be sure to check out the next chapter in our conversation with Chris Davis where he talks about the role physical fitness has played in his own spiritual growth.